Welcome to Truth Triumphant Radio. I'm your host, Cody Mori, and I want to talk today a little bit about something I've been studying recently a little bit more in depth, which is the French Revolution. And the reason I want to talk about this is because, well, if you look if you look around at the political, if you take the, the spiritual temperature of the United States right now, it looks like we're, we're, that's where we're heading. And we know from Ellen White that the scenes of the French Revolution will be repeated again in this country and that we will see the things that happened in the French Revolution happen again. And what was the French Revolution? What caused it? What were, what were some of the results from it? You got to remember the French Revolution was a really an internal struggle between the Roman Catholic Church and the Jesuit order who had been pretty much banished from I think it's it was up to 40 or 50 countries at that point they were banished and exiled for meddling in state affairs you know causing disruption in the in the civil community and society Every time in, in these various European countries, they would find Jesuits were the activists. They were the individuals being rowdy. They were the they were the mob mentality. They were whipping people up into a frenzy. So many countries would banish them. And starting in the late 1750s, it started with Portugal. In Portugal, exiled the Jesuits, banished them. Now you got to remember that these countries that banished the Jesuit order, they were Catholic, and they remained Catholic after the banishment. They didn't convert to Protestantism and then thought, "Oh no, this is the Antichrist power, an arm of the Antichrist power. We better remove it from our lands." No, they were Roman Catholic. You know, died in the wool Catholic, as as the saying goes. And they just didn't want the Jesuit order. And eventually they put a lot of pressure on the Pope to disband the Jesuit order altogether, officially. And that's what happened. So when that happened, actually, both one Pope tried to do it. He was, he was assassinated. The next Pope did do it, and then he was assassinated. So... The Jesuit order was officially disbanded by the Roman Catholic Church. And then shortly after that, what do you see? You see things like the French Revolution, where they started to, they had, essentially, they were making anybody who was religious, which was the Catholic Church in France. France has a very sad history when it comes to religion. St. Bartholomew's Day Massacre, there's different things. Many, many times when it was a watershed moment, a tipping point between Romanism and Protestantism, France almost always fell on the side of Romanism. So eventually, this led to all-out anarchy and atheism in France. They had something like four or five constitutions within like five years makes you really appreciate the Constitution that we have here in the United States and how long it's lasted. Yes, there's been amendments, but it has stood the test of time, and clearly that 
that would be an indicator of of its origin. It, it was not designed by enlightenment thinking men, though there were those individuals there. So yes, today I want to talk about the things uh, that happened leading up to uh, the French Revolution. This will probably be more than one part. But first, before we begin, I want to start with a quote from Ellen White to kind of put things in perspective for us all. And it's from the book Education, page 228. And, and we, if you're paying attention even, even to the minutest in the minutest sort of way you know that uh, our education here especially in the United States uh, but also in various parts of the world especially the Western civilization it's very Marxist it's very left-leaning and quite frankly um, very boring the way they teach it but this is from the book education page 228 talking about the the teachings of the French Revolution remember the French Revolution they had the Paris Commune those were the alt-left, actually the, the, the left-leaning liberals and the conservative class who were eventually killed. They used to actually sit on the left and the right of the president of the National Convention or the National Assembly. They had the General Assembly, the National Convention, I think the National Assembly. They, they constantly were changing hands. Every time it was despotic. But eventually... The right was killed off, but they, it's kind of interesting. They actually did sit on the actual left and right, which is kind of where we get those terms, of the president of the convention. So from Education, page 228, the Adventist lens tells us this. At the same time, anarchy is seeking to sweep away all law, not only divine, but human. The centralizing of wealth and power... The vast combinations for the enriching of the few at the expense of the many. The combinations of the poor classes for the defense of their interests and claims. The spirit of unrest, of riot and bloodshed. The worldwide dissemination of the same teachings that led to the French Revolution. All are tending to involve the whole world in a struggle similar to that which convulsed in France. So there you have it, folks. It's a it's a prophecy. The and it's a, it's not a hard one to see either. Uh, it, again, if if you're paying attention in any sort of way, you can see how this could happen. Whether whether it actually originates from the left or the right, many people can see a a cataclysmic clash um, that's coming between the left and the right. Not only in this country, but throughout the world. You have a growing divide and rift. The people are divided. Uh, the left radical individuals are doubling down on some of the insanity that's going on right now. You have other people who are doubling down on conservatism. And really the two camps are being separated more and more. And it's because of the same teachings that led to the French Revolution. Remember, the French, what happened in France is epitomized in, in Scripture with Revelation chapter 11, which talks about Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. That's the power of atheism. That's the king of the south at work right there. 
And remember, the king of the south pushes at the king of the north, and then the king of the north comes back like a whirlwind. We've gone over this many times. So I think we're standing on the brink of this happening right now. And I also have another quote here from Great Controversy, page 279. It says, with the flight of the Huguenots, a general decline settled upon France, flourishing manufacturing cities, fell into decay. Fertile districts returned to their native wildness. Intellectual dullness and moral declension succeeded a period of unwanted progress. Paris became one vast almshouse, and it estimated that at the breaking of the revolution, 200,000 paupers claimed charity from the hands of the king. The Jesuits alone flourished in the decaying nation and ruled with dreadful tyranny over the churches and schools, the prisons and galleys. So that puts things in perspective for us. That shows us that the, the priests that, and I think I started to, to mention this before, I never actually finished it, but the priests, they were called refractory priests that refused to pledge allegiance to the the revolution and to the leadership in France before their religion. They were called refractory priests and many Roman Catholic priests were slaughtered at this time. In fact, there were refractory priests that were part of really the beginnings of the first slaughters that happened actually before what we understand to be the reign of terror, which t took place a little later. But the refractory priests that were just in prison the individuals who were in control of the country, which we find out from here, were the Jesuits, because they alone flourished in the decaying nation. They decided to take all the priests that were in the prisons and execute them. So you can see there that at this time you had... You had the Jesuits who are basically on the run in every country. It's at this time that they really went underground and they started to work through secret societies. And in France, we are told from our prophet that the, it was the Jesuits and the Jesuits alone that flourished in that decaying nation. So the principles of left uh, radicalism, the principles of communism, they were being weaponized and used in the French Revolution and they were being used to punish not only the, the French monarchy and nobility, which had banished the, the Jesuits from their kingdom, but also the papacy, who had also done the same. So it was, it was a very short time that the Jesuits were actually completely uh, banished from the Roman Catholic Church system. They were reinstated, I believe it was in 1814, it could have been 1815. But right around there, they were reinstated. And from there, they've continued right up into this day. So they alone flourished at that time, which shows you that the, the idea that Adam Weishaupt, the founder of the Illuminati, who founded it in May 1776, there are many uh, conspiracy writers out there that will deny uh, the possibility that the Jesuits were actually in control of the French Revolution. 
and they say that the Jacobines were really undercover Illuminati uh, agents that were working there in France for the overthrow of the, the French monarchy, which they accomplished and executed King Louis XVI, and also for the establishment of a democracy. Remember, democracy was something that was really disliked by the founding fathers of the United States. They, I remember seeing one quote which said that a democracy, I think it's attributed to, to John Adams or to John Quincy Adams, but it's essentially it's this, that a democracy is two, two wolves and one sheep voting on what's for dinner. It's, it's mob mentality. It's mob rule. And that's what communism is. You had the Paris Commune, which was constantly uh, causing insurrections and pushing. You had the Sanculotte that was also around at that time. So the Illuminati, while they may have actually been working through the Jacobines, it's important for us to remember that that's a front of a front, and that when you go back, when you trace back the trail far enough, you end up at the Jesuit order. Now, again, many conspiracy authors will reject that, and they'll say the reason why is because Adam Weishaupt rejected his religion and then went into the Freemasons and started this group of the Illuminati within that group. The only problem with that is, is that Adam Weishaupt was a professor at Ingolstadt, which was a Jesuit university in Bavaria. And he was, this is where most people understand that the ideas of the French Revolution came from, the University of Ingolstadt. And he was a professor of canon law there at that Jesuit university. And when he supposedly stepped away from his faith, remember he was trained and raised by Jesuits, and supposedly he stepped away from his faith, but he continued to teach canon law at the university. Also, there was a book written about the Illuminati and the Jacobins' involvement in the French Revolution. And guess who it was written by? A Jesuit priest, Abbe Berul. Abbe Berul, talking about the Illuminati and the French Revolution. So the folks that actually believe that it was the Illuminati in the French Revolution, they believe a Jesuit doctrine, which is which is pretty interesting. So you're you're essentially you're saying, oh no, it's not the Jesuits because the Jesuits say so. That's very interesting. But I've been reading this book. It's by Ian Davidson. It's called The French Revolution: From Enlightenment to Tyranny. And there was a few things that led to, that were the causes, if you will, of the French Revolution. And I thought. When I heard some, there's there's many different causes. There was, just because the French Revolution took place doesn't mean that the people, I mean at the low level, yes, they were involved in mob, mob rule, they were the mob, uh, they were doing evil things, but it, it, as so often in history, it's never that simple. The, the nobility and the, the aristocracy and the clergy had really ruled over the other classes of society uh, with a very heavy hand. So it, it wasn't quite that simple. So there were some causes 
that led to the French Revolution in 1789. And the first one was that they didn't actually have representation until the king gave them some representation and he increased their representation so that they actually outnumbered the other classes which were the nobility and the and the clergy but i think what you'll find interesting is as you read this book you'll find that they had supply chain shortages they actually had a good yield of crop that year but for some reason the bread and the other the other products of the earth were not making their way into the cities and people were because of the supply chain shortages they were in a lot of trouble and they say you know survivalists say that it takes it's it, three days to to animal essentially that if somebody's hungry they, they'll be hungry for about three days before they become extremely dangerous so that's one of the things that had happened there we have supply chain shortages what does that what does that tell you about what's going on today we have supply chain shortages again here in the United States it's on a small scale we can acknowledge that it's on a small scale um, but nonetheless they're there and who knows are they going to increase because if they do if they do that would be a very strong push towards some sort of insurrection or civil war which is what a lot of people think are going on in this country right now also because during the French Revolution, they adopted a fiat money system and they started to essentially just print money. So they were printing money, printing money and giving it out to the to the lower classes. And because of this, it caused money to be almost worthless. And again, you see that happening again right now in the United States. I think it's something like 40% of all the money that the United States has ever had has been printed in the last two years. So because of that, it, it caused an un unbelievable amount of inflation. So much so that in Ian Davidson's book, I'm paraphrasing all this, you got to read through the chapters, but 80% in his book, he mentions that 80% of, of people's money would go towards bread alone. That's it. So 80%. So inflation was through the roof. They also had corrupt leadership that would make them promises and not keep them. Again, you see that stuff happening today. So there were some other really harsh systems too in place. They had the feudal system tax. They still had the lords and basically they didn't call them peasants, but they were peasants. The peasant class and the lords class, the landlords. And there would be a feudal tax. So that's kind of interesting, the, the class warfare as well that was going on there. And again, we see that in spades here today. So all the, uh, all the markers that mapped out the, the road to the reign of terror and bloodshed, we see them here. We also see the same doctrines being, being taught in the schools. And again, we are told that it is the Jesuits who are behind this. And... Another reason why I think that, and I know some people have a different view on this, but I think that the church the church was having an internal struggle between the Jesuits and the papacy at this point, was not only because the refractory priests were, were, were slaughtered and massacred, 
but also because the the National Assembly actually decided to to confiscate all church property and lands and wealth. They disbanded all the monasteries. They took control of all the land, all the the various churches and things like that, and they began to sell them. And because when they did that, they made a lot of money. And they became very, very wealthy in a very short short amount of time just by taking over the assets of the church. Now, that's not something that the papacy is going to be on board with. So that's why I think, to me, it's very clear that there was an internal struggle going on there. The Jesuits were uh, punishing the kings that the Catholic kings that had rejected the Jesuits and also the the papacy themselves. So it's like it's like as the Bible says that when a man takes a dog by the ears, you know that that's what that's what the Roman Catholic Church has done. They've taken a dog by the ears and they're they're holding this this ferocious dog by the ears. Well, eventually, the the beast is going to be let loose and it's going to attack them. But we see what happened here in the French Revolution. We see all the same hallmarks, all the same causes that are fully either fully underway, or at least we're starting to see some of the the onset of these same causes here in the United States right now, which tells us that education, page 228, uh, is, is not going to be very far behind. We're going to see the King of the South push, 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 until the King of the North comes like a whirlwind. So I think, I think whereas the bloodshed, I think the difference will be this. I think whereas the bloodshed was caused mainly by the left in the French Revolution, I think... I think the reverse is going to happen this time. I think that the 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 left are going to push the right uh, eventually too far, and there will be some type of action done. So we'll we'll just have to see what goes on. But as a dear friend said to me very recently, that the time frame that where we're living in now, we're still living in relative peace here in the United States, and. Not actually, not, not many parts of the world can say that right now. But we are in relative peace. It's, it's soft persecution that's going on right now, especially if you're someone who lives in Florida like myself. So I can't necessarily speak to all the states on this. But I know here in the United States, it is not like it is in New Zealand. It's not like it is in Australia. It's not like it is in Austria or Canada. So the time frame in which we're living in right now a dear friend of mine said is 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 an opportunity for all of us to submit our lives to Christ everything to stop using caffeine to stop watching movies and television shows that we know that take us away from him whatever it is i mean if you're if you are inclined to be a gossiper uh, if you are having struggles with lust in its various forms, whether it's pornography, or whether it's it's greed, or whether it's your career, or even ministry, if whatever whatever is distracting you, you know, from giving the third angel's message, whatever's distracting you from making a full commitment to Christ, or making you not think about Him anymore, those things need to be removed from our lives. And it's 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 this special time that we're living in right now 
that we must perfect our characters, that we must work on our characters like never before. Submit ourselves unto Christ. Let him do the work in us. Again, it's, it's not a works-based religion. He does the work in us, but we have to submit to him. That's our work. And folks, when it comes to democracy, remember, this, this country is not a democracy, though that's what you hear in the tabloids so very often. Democracy, democracy, democracy. We're not a democracy. The French Revolution was a democracy. Athens was a democracy. And it doesn't end well with a democracy. They, it goes through a cycle. It goes through a cycle of uh, tyranny and anarchy and back to despotism uh, found in some type of tyrant, like a single single ruler. It goes from mob rule to single ruler because they need someone to bring back order to the country. And that's exactly what happened in France. France led to the rise of a dictator. His name was Napoleon. And he began to take over the various countries. And he was a great military tactician. And he tried to he tried to basically do what Hitler eventually tried to do later on. Was he tried to unite all of Europe under one banner. And eventually they even deposed the Pope. But it failed. It failed, as it always does, because Daniel chapter 2 says that it would fail. They would the, the clay would try to mix with the iron, but it never would be able to. And in Athens, there's a book called Ancient Greece. It's a history book. It's just called Ancient Greece uh, by Thomas Martin. This is from page 154 and 155. And it's talking about some of the, the turmoil and some of the insanity that happened under the Athenian, what we understand to be the Athenian Empire, which was before before Alexander. And it talks about what happened on the island of Corsera. And it says, it states this, the citizens supporting democracy in the civil war in the city-state of Corsera captured and executed all their enemies whom they could find. They then proceeded to the sanctuary of Hera and persuaded about 50 of the suppliants from the opposing faction who had sought sacred refuge there to agree to appear in court. The Democrats thereupon condemned every last one of the erstwhile suppliants to death. When the other suppliants had refused to go to trial, comprehended what was going on, most of them killed each other right there in the sanctuary. Some hanged themselves from trees, while others found a variety of ways to commit suicide. For a week, the members of the Democratic fashion, faction went on slaughtering any fellow citizens whom they thought of as their enemies. They accused their victims of plotting to overthrow the democracy. But in truth, they killed many people simply out of personal hatred or because they owed money to the victims. Death came in every way and fashion. And as customarily occurs in such situations, the killers went to every extreme and beyond. There were fathers who the, Pel the Peloponnesian War and its aftermath murdered their sons. Men were dragged out of the temples to be put to death or simply butchered on the very altars of the gods. Some people were actually walled up in the temple of Dionysus and left there to die of starvation. And he's quoting from Thucydides. 
book three, page 81 and 82. So folks, there you have it. There's some of the causes. There's what we're warned about that would happen again in the future. And it looks like it, it is happening right in the midst uh, of our very eyes right now. So <clears throat> we'll study a little bit more about the French Revolution next time and take a look at some other aspects of it and what the results were actually in France. We saw some of the, in democracy in general, under the Athenian Empire during one of their wars with Sparta. But next time we're going to take a look at the French Revolution again and some of the things that actually happened in France specifically. So stay tuned for that next week. I'm Cody Mori and you've been listening to Truth Triumphant Radio. God bless.